Testament. The reading today is Mark chapter 8, verses 14 to 30. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have ears but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? They came to Bethsaida, And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Should we pray as we come to God's word? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the Gospel of Mark uh, and the time we've been able to spend in it the last few weeks. And we pray that you would uh, show us Jesus uh, as we look at this section, uh, help us to understand uh, who he is uh, and help us uh, to live for him uh, each day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, knowing a person's identity is key to being able to relate correctly to them, isn't it? Uh, You might remember the story of a couple of American tourists who went for a walk uh, up in Scotland. Uh, And as they went along, they met uh, an old lady uh, wearing tweeds uh, and a headscarf uh, and uh, a slightly younger companion. Uh, They said, hello, very friendly Americans. Um, and they got chatting. Uh, they established that she'd been coming to the area for uh, over 80 years, and uh, it was, they were near Balmoral, so they naturally asked, in those 80 years, uh, have you met the Queen? Uh, she said, uh, I haven't, but my companion regularly sees her. So they took some photos together uh, and went their separate ways. What they hadn't realized, of course, was that she was actually the queen herself. How differently uh, would they have thought uh, about that encounter when they got home, showed the photos to their friends, and someone pointed out, that that is the queen. How differently, in fact, would they have reacted in the moment uh, if they had realized who she was? 
As Caroline said, who is Jesus uh, is the key question of this first half uh, of Mark. He opened his gospel with the words, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And since then, he's carefully chosen, picked out the events uh, and the words he's recorded to show us who Jesus is. And today, we're going to reach the climax of this first half of the book. We're going to look at it in three sections uh, as we see that understanding Jesus's identity is crucial and that it needs uh, a miracle. First, uh, understanding Jesus's identity is crucial. If you were here last week, we've just had the feeding of the 4,000 and then the Pharisees asking Jesus to show them a sign so they could see who he was. But now it's just Jesus and his disciples in a boat again, heading back across the lake. And Jesus seems to be reflecting on recent events. Have a look at verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except one loaf which they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Yeast is a fairly regular image in the Bible. I guess we're familiar with using it to make bread rise. And so you can realize that it can refer to something small which has a big effect on the thing that it's a part of. But for Jews, there's another aspect to the image of yeast. Remember, when they were under the oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt, God told them to make bread without yeast for their final meal before they were rescued out of slavery. They had to be ready to leave, and so they had no time to leave the bread to rise. And so they left out the yeast. And they were told to commemorate that, year, that event every year. Exodus 12 uh, tells us, uh, this is, yeah, Moses instructing the people uh, for God. For seven, years, uh, for seven days, no yeast is to be found in your houses. And whoever eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel, whether he is an alien or native born. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. And so yeast had become associated with evil, and it represented anything that had to be removed in order to be part of God's redeemed people. So what is Jesus warning about? As he says, watch out. Well, think back to what we've seen of the Pharisees and of Herod in the last few chapters. The Pharisees have seen Jesus do all sorts of miracles. But then they come to test him and to ask him to prove himself with a sign from heaven. With all their Bible knowledge, they should understand who Jesus is. But they're too proud to accept what's right in front of them. And Herod, if you remember, he, he saw something in John the Baptist. He was interested in what he was saying. But when what John preached clashed with Herod's lifestyle, he had him killed. Herod, too, had the wrong idea about Jesus, about who John was preaching about. And so he didn't take the message seriously enough either. 
And so these are attitudes for, to, for us to watch out for today too. People still have their own ideas about Jesus' identity. And they're too proud to listen to Jesus instead and to change their minds. Mark shows us that wrong understanding of who Jesus is leads to being outside the kingdom. The disciples are different, you would think. They're with Jesus. They're ready to listen and learn from him. But actually, we see they're not yet there either. There's more they need. Verse 16, they discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you still talking about having no bread? Do you not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? As so often in Mark, and just as after feeding the 5,000, the disciples are too focused on the physical that's in front of them to see the spiritual reality that they're being shown. Now the uh, 12 and the 7 referenced here might be pointing to uh, the whole of Israel and completeness. That's often how those numbers are used in the Bible. Or they might just be supposed to remind the disciples of just how amazing it was, the amount that was left over after these feedings. But either way, the disciples are being shown that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, that he's bringing in this new world of full satisfaction. They're being shown uh, who Jesus is, but they're blind to it. Clearly they know Jesus is someone special. Uh, They have left everything to follow him, but they've not yet grasped exactly who he is. And Jesus sees that as a problem. He sounds almost exasperated, doesn't he? Do you still not see or understand? He borrows a phrase from Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 21. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. Should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? Jesus sees that the disciples are in danger of going the way of Israel in Jeremiah's day, of not responding rightly to God. Jesus needs them to understand who he is so that he can explain why he's come, so that they're ready for what's to come for his mission. They're ready as they head to Jerusalem for what is going to happen. Maybe you've never properly looked at who Jesus really is. Maybe you studied a bit of Christianity at school Uh, Maybe you've been to uh, a few carol services. You've never properly paid attention to what it is that he says and does. Well, Mark's gospel is for you. It was written just for you. But Jesus warns, don't come having already mined up your mind about who he is. With tests that maybe subconsciously you 
want him to fail so that you don't have to go any further. And don't just take uh, the nice bits, the bits you want to hear which fit in with your life now. Jesus is so much more than that. Mark says, take the time to really look at Jesus and see who he really is. Because understanding Jesus' identity uh, is crucial. But what then does it actually take to understand who he is? Well, Mark shows us that understanding Jesus' identity uh, requires, needs a, a miracle. In typical Mark fashion, we're straight on to the next location. Uh, and what could be a, a confusing miracle to interpret at first glance becomes much clearer if we recognize that Mark has written it in a particular way to make a bigger point. So keep in mind what we've already looked at as we read from verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Immediately, we probably wonder, why didn't the healing work properly first time? Why could the man only see these blurry shapes? After all, Jesus didn't have to tell the storm twice to be quiet, did it? Did he? He didn't have to feed 2,000 and then feed the other half. What's going on? Well, it's not because Jesus got it wrong or wasn't able to heal him in one stage. We've seen clearly in Mark that Jesus has complete power to heal. He's healed by speaking and by touching, in person and from far off. Remember what Jesus just asked the disciples. Do you not see or understand? Do you have eyes but fail to see? And now here is a man who can't see, who can then see but only partly, and then who can see clearly. And what made the difference? It was Jesus' touch. This miracle is a parable played out in real life. Jesus did really have compassion on this man and gave him his sight back. But he also used him to demonstrate a spiritual reality. He's just said that the disciples can't see. Now a blind man is healed. For the disciples to see and understand who Jesus is, it needs a miracle. That's what this shows us. That whether to see Jesus uh, partly, or to see him clearly, they need Jesus to open their eyes. And so do we. Ultimately, we can read the Bible all we like, but unless God works in us, we will never see. Indeed, there are plenty of scholars and professors who have spent years full-time studying theology, studying the Bible, who never truly understood Jesus. 
nor do we uh, just need a sign in the sky, something to prove God is real, uh, and then we'll believe. The Pharisees had seen plenty of miracles take place, hadn't they? Now, you see, all of us are blind by nature. Sin has corrupted the world, and it's taken from us our understanding of God. It's put a barrier in place. Instead, we see ourselves as God. We want to rule our own lives. And just like the blind man, we have no way of fixing that ourselves. Unless Jesus puts his hands on our eyes and does a miracle, we will not see. Which is humbling. It means I can't rely on my intellect to save me. In fact, I can't do anything to save myself. All we can do is rely on Jesus. But it's also freeing. It means that anyone can come to Jesus, regardless of brain power, because he is the one who will open their eyes. It means we don't have to do anything ourselves. And it also means that the best thing we can do for our friends and family who who don't know Jesus is to pray that their eyes would be opened. We don't have to have enough knowledge to win all the arguments. We don't have to prove to them that God is real. All we have to do is show them Jesus as he really is and pray that he would open their eyes. It needs a miracle for us to see who Jesus really is. And so finally, we come to the very center of Mark's gospel, as Jesus' identity is finally understood. Jesus and his disciples head off again, and he brings the conversation back to who he is. Verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Now, we've already heard these reports uh, in the bit about Herod and John the Baptist. Uh, People were saying things like this. News about Jesus has clearly got around, uh, but there's lots of misunderstanding, lots of blindness. People recognize there is something about Jesus, something special about Jesus but their eyes haven't been opened to who he really is. They have to decide something. Uh, They have to make something of who he is. Uh, So they're groping around in the dark, grasping onto what they know about what God has said and done in the past, attaching him to figures like Elijah. But of course, Jesus already knows this. He's setting up the key question. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Forget what other people are saying. Ultimately, that doesn't matter, he says. You've seen what I've done. You've heard what I've said. Who do you think I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Suddenly, after so much blindness and confusion, there is light. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Peter's answer sounds so simple, 
but it is a stunning thing to say. Christ, or, or Messiah, had become the title for the anointed one, God's king who would deliver Israel. The Jews knew things weren't as they supposed to be in their worlds, that God had promised more, that Christ would be the one to lead them into a new era. In other words, they were the person on whom all their hopes rested. So for Peter to give Jesus this title was huge. It meant that he was recognizing him as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies and recognizing him as something new, not just a continuing or reiterating of the previous prophets like Elijah. It's something new, come to fulfill all the prophecies. And Jesus doesn't deny this title, does he? This is indeed who he is, the Christ. But it's interesting, he doesn't want it publicized for now. Peter's next words to Jesus show that he isn't seeing clearly. His eyes might be open, but they only see people as trees. There is much more for the disciples to understand about why the Christ has come and what is to happen. But that's for next time, so we'll leave that for now. The question at this point is, how has Peter come to this answer? How has he come to know that Jesus is the Christ? Well, think again about how Mark has structured this section. If we'd gone straight from the previous section in the the boat uh, to this, what would we have concluded? We might think that Peter has thought about the feedings, uh, about what people have said about Jesus, about everything that he's seen. He's thought about it and he's worked it out. You know, that moment when you're, you're stuck on a problem, you've got all the pieces, but they're not coming together, and suddenly you get the key piece of information, you think hard enough about it, and suddenly everything slots together. Eureka. It's all clear. Doubtless, Peter had been thinking about it, remembering what Jesus had said and done. But Mark putting this healing of the blind man in between uh, these two conversations tells us that this declaration by Peter is not, uh, doesn't come from Peter's own working out. We're, we're not told exactly when it happened, but in just a real way, uh, as Jesus putting ha- his hands on the blind man's eyes and opening them, Jesus has given Peter sight. He's opened his eyes, And Peter can see who Jesus is. So the question is, who do you say Jesus is? If you're not sure, then keep reading Mark. Uh, It's there to show you who Jesus is, which is such a, a crucial thing to understand, to be able to relate to Jesus and make up your mind. And I want to challenge you, even if you're not quite sure who it is that you'd be talking to, why not pray as you do so and ask God to open your eyes? God loves to answer those who truly ask. But if you do recognize Jesus as Christ, 
if you call him Saviour and Lord. A few things to take away. We need to watch out for those who claim to know who Jesus is, but who have their own agenda. The modern Pharisees and Herods, people who have their own idea about Jesus and don't listen to him. Instead, we must keep listening to Jesus from his word. And as we live among those who don't know Jesus, our friends and family, we can show them the real Jesus and pray for their eyes to open. We don't have to do anything complicated or hard. We just ask for Jesus to work in them. And finally, be amazed again at this humble man from Nazareth who is the Christ, the promised one, who even though Peter didn't understand at that point, uh, would indeed deliver us. He will save us not just from earthly oppression, but from all sin and death forever. What about you? Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mark and his gospel. We thank you that it shows us Jesus, that it shows us who he is and what he's come to do. We pray that you would open our eyes more to this, that you would show us the truth and that you'd plant it in our hearts. We pray that uh, it would change how we live, uh, that we would correctly relate to who he is, that we, he, we, we would see him as the Christ uh, and honour him as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Well, thank you for your questions. We've got a, a number of questions, um, and we will see, I might group some of them together. But there's some questions on the passage first, Tim, mm-hmm. so we will um, ask um, those ones. So let's start with the um, this one. Um, I still don't get the two-part healing. Surely the point we... Sorry. But the... The point that we need Jesus to allow us to see would have been made equally as powerfully if he'd done it in one go. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons uh, for this. Um, One is that uh, he's already healed people in one go. um, And so this two-part healing makes us stop uh, and think, um, why has he done it like that? Um, I think it's... Yeah, it's a deliberate choice to make us stop and think. Um, And, uh, yeah, I hinted at it towards the end, but um, there's more to see next week. Um, As uh, Peter, having made this declaration, uh, then doesn't understand what Jesus has come to do and doesn't understand that he's come to suffer uh, and die. Um, And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's as though Peter is seeing... Um, is still in the first stage of the healing. Um, he's only seeing uh, with people like trees yeah. rather than seeing clearly that's going to come later. 
Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think it's that, there's that, that broader point as well. But um, Mark is then going to spend most of the rest of the book uh, talking about why Jesus has come. Yeah, which is what they still need to understand. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Thank you. Um, there's a number about um, how we can explain the gospel to others. Um, so um, one is um, there were lots of subtle markers that would have made sense to the Jewish culture at the time, but we do not, that do not mean anything to us. How do we spot these best in the passage as we read it? And there's a question about as yeast, Herod Pharisees, and bread have no real meaning to us today. How should we explain Jesus is Messiah Christ? Mm, yes, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, the thing about the yeast might not be immediately obvious uh, as we first read it. I mean, I would, I think, encourage you that um, we can just read it um, without any of that knowledge uh, and still get loads from Mark. Um, it's as we go deeper, it opens up more to us, but that doesn't mean that if we don't, un- don't get everything... Um, at one go, then we've missed everything. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Um, yeah. We don't we don't have to have that in order to understand what's going on. Um, I think uh, how do we best spot these in the passage as we read it? Um, there's uh, partly it's it's just reading the Bible more mm-hmm. um, as you read uh, through the Old Testament and as you read um, the whole of Mark. Uh, you start to pick up on these things. Um, and reading books in one go as well is really helpful. Um, I think Mark's the shortest gospel, so it's probably the easiest one to start with if you want to do that. Um, but reading reading books of the Bible in, in one go really helps to pick up things that are repeated uh, across, across books. Um, so, yeah. Um, that would be the, the first thing I'd say about that. Um, and then you can use books and sermons as yeah. well. Um, you know, God gives us the church uh, and fellow Christians to uh, be able to help each other and point these things out. Um, so, you know, I haven't thought of any of that myself. <laughs> I've um, studied the, the Bible, but then I've also used commentaries and things to, to do that. And that's, that's okay. That's what God gives them to us for. And, and in that thing about the yeast of the Pharisees and Herods, you, you actually said, well, what have the Pharisees done mm. and what has Herod done? So you don't necessarily need to know about yeast. You can just look at the context and say, what have the Pharisees done, what has Herod done, which is what you shared. It. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Context context is key. Yeah. Um, always, yeah, look wider than the passage and you'll often find uh, a lot more. Great. Now, that one of those questions might have also linked to this question. How can we be better bearers of witness reflecting on the passage in a world seeming less and less interested in seeking the truth? Yeah, great question. Um, always a good thing to think about how we can be uh, better bearers of witness. Um, I think, yeah, thinking specifically from this mm. passage, it is, um, yeah, showing people who Jesus is. And, you know, often... Um, People have, have never read the Bible for themselves. Um, you know, you might uh, have looked at some of the parables in school or something like that, um, but have never actually taken the time to 
read a gospel uh, and think about it for themselves. Um, and so, uh, yeah, getting to a point at which you can do that for someone and just say, uh, yeah, have a read of this. Let's chat about what you think um, is a great way to start, I think. Because um, it doesn't need to be a great commitment. You just say, can we meet up for coffee yeah. a couple just of times? Um, and we'll look at this together. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, I think the world... Yeah, the question is, is a world seemingly less and less interested in seeking the truth. Um, yeah, I don't know, in some ways we are still interested in truth when it comes to it. Um, we still... Uh, although, you know, there's talk of my truth uh, and all this relative truth, um, there's still desire for truth. And when it really comes to it, we want to know what's, what is right and true, um, which is something I think we can push as people. Um, as we, yeah, talk to people, is push push that is what is truth does it matter and I think people do think it, it does ultimately yeah. great thank you um, just one more if people can only see Jesus for who he is why does he not let everyone have their eyes and ears opened great thank you um, again I'm, I'm just going to answer this I think from, from Mark there's more to say uh, on this um, but in the, in the miracles we've seen um, in Mark uh, it is they're, they're all linked to faith um, and so uh, you know the um, healing of the um, Syrian Phoenician woman's daughter uh, you know it's, it's her faith in saying um, the dogs eat on, uh, under the table eat the children's crumbs responds to Jesus it's her faith uh, that Jesus responds to and heals um, the um, woman uh, with the bleeding touching his clothes uh, Jesus says you know your faith has healed you um, Mark seems to yeah link uh, Jesus' response to to our faith mm-hmm. um, and say so the Pharisees they, they don't have faith um, they're uh, they want to stand on their own they want to keep what they have they're, they're too proud to come to Jesus in faith. Uh, and so their eyes aren't opened. Uh, but the disciples, they do come to Jesus. Um, they're ready to listen. Um, they get it wrong so often. Uh, but they're, they're open. And so Jesus opens their eyes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Jesus, Jesus opened the eye, will open the eyes of those who, who want to have them open. Um, but yes, there is more to say on that, I guess, from uh, elsewhere. So do, really do keep chatting about that um, and come and ask me afterwards if you want to know any more. Great. Thank you, Tim, very, very much. Thank, Thank you. you for being willing to answer questions like that too.